Good afternoon. Hope you're doing well. Over the last four weeks, I've been incredibly challenged, predominantly by Ryan standing up here with a white piece of paper and preaching his message. So I've decided that I'm going to go with my message. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I am just so challenged and encouraged and just inspired by Ryan's white piece of paper and his phone and what a joy it was to be able to be going through that service sermon, sermon series, our need for a savior, why we need a savior. I want to encourage you, specifically week number three just really impacted me. I really want to encourage you to make sure you listen to that because in a couple of weeks, actually two weeks from today, we're going to jump into the book of Exodus. We're going to be there for a very long time. I will tell you, there's, there are 40 chapters, okay? We will, um, and some parts will go fast and some parts will go slow, but we'll be here until probably sometime in October. We'll start that on April the 12th. Of course, next week, we want to make sure that we have a sunrise service at 6.30. Okay, um, we'll, you'll be facing that way at the end of the property. Um, and uh, Ryan will, will lead us in that uh, service. And then, of course, 10.30, we'll have our Easter service and again, we'll be right here at the tent. So 10.30 next Sunday morning. So, and that will be the time that we'll continue to do that. So again, I want you to grab your Bibles and I want, you to, I want us to really take a look at the last four weeks, we've been taking a look at why we need a savior. And, and what I want us to do over the next two weeks, is I really want us to take a look at who this savior is. Now, now you and I are, are really good at forgetting things. And so God knew that. He instituted the issue of Lord's Supper communion, which we are going to partake here at the end of this service. Um, hopefully, if you're home and you're streaming with us, you'll be able to get the elements there with you, some bread, juice. Um, and of course, if you're here and you don't have that, of course, you can just run over to the tent and get that as well. But we, we're going to conclude our service here with being able to remember the Lord's death and his return by taking on the Lord's Supper. But before we do that, we're going to jump into... John chapter 12, John chapter 12, we, we have to be reminded each and every year, regardless of our tradition in church, of the Savior that we have. And I don't want us to miss it because, oh, it's tradition, it's Palm Sunday, it's the triumphal entry, it's Passion Week, and the next Sunday we celebrate the tomb is empty. And those are great. But I don't want us to, to allow tradition and habit to rob us of great messages and great lessons that God wants us to hear. I pray that this week and the next two weeks would just be just a, a reminder of, to you of how good he is. You know, I got to sit with a friend this week and it just wasn't a very good week. Struggling, down. I would say maybe in a little bit of a funk. I got to sit down, have a sub with him, and just listen to how the Lord used him to lift my soul up. And I'm grateful for that. Jeremiah uh, 35, 26 says, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? The weeping prophet says that. And so we come in here and we say, oh my gosh, we are sinners and we are in desperate need of a savior. And we celebrate this week that we have one. We celebrate that we have one. So the question that we have is, 
What are we doing with the Savior that we have? Are we trying to take his place? Or are we letting him be God to be the one that lifts our souls and the, ones that rem the one that reminds us of who he is and listen, that he came and he's gonna come again. Hope that encourages you. So in John chapter 12, we really jump into um, the triumphal entry, John's account. We, remember, we have four gospels and each gospel has the account of Jesus coming into Jerusalem at the last week of his life. John's gospel takes the last week and dedicates 50% to the last week of his life. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. Now, John's account is a little bit shorter than maybe Matthew, which is 1 through 11, and Mark is like uh, uh, Anna read, is, is Mark 11, 1 through 11, Matthew, Matthew 21, 1 through 11. And so, so we have several accounts in Luke 19. Again, we have Luke's account. But we're going to sort of camp out right here in, in, in John's account of Jesus coming in to Jerusalem, again, preparing the people to do what he always said he was going to do. He said that he was going to do this, and he did this. And so uh, I, I want us to, to go ahead and, and let's look at John 12, 12 through 19. I'm going to read the whole section right now. Verse 12. The next day, the large crowd that had come to the feast heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem. So they took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him, crying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, even the king of Israel. 14. And Jesus found a donkey and sat on it, just as it is written. Verse 15, fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming, sitting on a donkey's colt. His disciples did not understand these things at first. But when Jesus was glorified, then they remembered that these things had been written about him and, he, and had been done to him. 17, the crowd that had been with him when he called Lazarus out of the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to bear witness. The reason why the crowd went to meet him was that they had heard he had done this again, this sign. So the Pharisees said to one another, you see that you are gaining nothing. Look, the world has going after him. The world has gone after him. So if we said the last four weeks that why we need a savior, let's take a look at the, the, this week and next week as to what type of savior that we have. What, what kind of savior do you and I have? The, verse 15, which is a prophecy of Zechariah, 9-9 nine, nine, really just overwhelmed me. And also the first verse in verse 12. We'll get to that here in just a minute. But first thing that I want you to see is I want you to see and I don't want you to forget the humility and the peaceful Savior that we have. Humility and peaceful. How is that represented here in the text? The text is very clear that the, the Savior is going to come in on a donkey. Now several years before, several uh, months before Jesus had come into Jerusalem, there was another person who came in and his name was Pontius Pilate. 
And Pontius Pilate came in on a stallion of a horse. He came in with all of his Roman soldiers with the best, um, the best war garb you could think of. They had the bright helmets and the weapons and all of this. And here comes Pontius Pilate riding in on a stallion of a horse. And that would mean that there is war going to take place. However, the, the Jews were looking for a savior who would free them from Roman bondage. And they anticipated that he would come in on a stallion of a horse and to eliminate this Roman bondage. However, he chose a different way. And I'm glad for that way. And I hope you are. The way that he came in was on a donkey. Now, you would think, seriously? That's the way he's going to make, that's the way he's going to free us. That's the way we're going to be set free of this, this oppression, this political oppression, oppression that we're going through. And Jesus comes in as a fulfillment of the scriptures that that's the way that he would come in. And so first and foremost, it demonstrates this humility that Jesus is riding into Jerusalem. He has told people he is the king of the world. He is King Jesus. He's going to declare that and he's going to demonstrate that. And the way that he comes in is he comes in on a donkey. I remember a couple years ago, our family went to Leatherwood. It's a place in the mountains. We went up there and they have some horses there. And Jake got on a horse and he said, Dad, the lady just told me that I'm on a mule. And he looked at it and said, He's not going very fast. She's not going very fast. This was, this was, I think her name was, oh, what was his name? What was his name, Dana? Her, pretty girl. That was her name. Her name was pretty girl. Okay. It's a family joke to see Jake riding on pretty girl right there. Okay. He's not here right now. And he's really mad at me. If, if he's watching at the beach with, at the beach at the, with the Langdons. But uh, we went back to Leatherwood this year, and we went to find Pretty Girl, and I would let you know that God bless her, she's no longer with us. Pretty Girl has gone off and moved on to her final resting place. Here, here's what, <laughs> thanks Emily, appreciate that. What I want you to see, what I want you to understand is here comes the savior of the world and the way that he comes in is a message of humility. And not only that, a, a, a donkey was seen to represent peace, calm. And so we, we have a savior. What kind of savior do we have? We have a savior that is coming in humility, but also coming to give us peace. And the book of John tells us it's not peace that the world gives it's peace that he gives, which is radically different than the world can give. This peace is in spite of our situations or circumstances, in spite of our uncertainty. That's, that's who he is. And so Jesus comes in, comes in on a donkey, the, the, the mule. The, the thing that I want you to see, and I really want to camp out here for the next couple of minutes is really verses 13, verses 13 and 15. And I'm going to go read those to you just one more time to show you that Jesus is better than religion. 
Jesus is better than religion. And, and we're going to unpack this part for the rest of our time before we take the communion. Verse 13. So they took branches and palm trees and went out to meet him crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Now what's going on right now? Jesus is coming to them. Remember that. Jesus is coming to them. Verse 15. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, your king is coming. Recognize that there are all types of religious systems at this time. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, they are religious systems. There's the, 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 the Greek system. And what Jesus is demonstrating, that he's better than all of that. Jesus is better than religion. Our king is better than religion. We'll, we'll, we'll go through and we'll unpack this just a little bit further. First thing I, I want you to see, you can write this down. I didn't put this in the worship center outline. First thing is every other religion teaches us to earn our way to God. Every single other religion is telling you, I need you to do this and then you can come to God. Christianity, Jesus, is the only system that teaches that God came to us. Romans 5, 8 says, while we were still sinners, so while you and I were at our absolutely worst, Christ, who came, came at his, to give us his best. So we're at our worst. God gave us his very best. But God demonstrates his love for us that while we're still sinners, Christ died for us. So Jesus died for us before we could do anything for him. That's a radical difference between Jesus and religion. Radical difference. God didn't wait and he's not waiting for you and I to simply just to get these things right. He sent his son knowing that we could never get them right. God sent his son Jesus knowing that we would never be able to get them right. We would never be able to answer the issue of sin in our life and God knew that and God demonstrated that by sending his one and only son to us. And so every other religion in the world teaches us that you must earn your way to the father. Jesus is saying, I'm coming to you. That's radically different, radically different. Second thing I, I, I'd wanna point out is this, is that other religions have systems of rules to appease God Christianity or faith in Christ is a relationship with God. Other religions have systems that are in place that are designed for you to appease God, for you to please him. I must do this in order to, to come to him. Uh, other religions, they have lists, might have pillars, they might have laws that demonstrate and say, do this, do this, do this, and all of them, and you can come. And that's not what Jesus came to declare. And that's not what he said. Psalm 145 verses 18 and 19 says, the Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear him. He hears the cries and saves them. You know, we want to be very clear and respectful, but we want to point out that there are some grave differences about, about faith in Christ and biblical Christianity and a relationship with Jesus who we serve. You know, there's, there's faith. There's Mormonism 
is very clear that if you were to ask someone, what must I do to be saved? The response is believe in Jesus and do all heavenly father asks you to do and do. It is a works based system. Islam is, is following the pillars, the five pillars and there is daily prayers and washing and fasting. And you only have, you have to do that in order to get to God. And God said, no, I'm going to make this easy for you. I'm coming to you. I'm going to send Jesus. You don't deserve it, but I'm, I'm going to give him to you. And that's what we see. If you take a look um, uh, um, in one more, there's one more. No other religion. Listen, don't miss this. I want you to remember this all week long. And I want this to be a reminder of, uh, to you is that no other faith system has an empty tomb. No other faith system has an empty tomb. The most beautiful thing that we see in that prophecy by Zechariah and Jesus coming into Jerusalem is that simply what he's doing is he's coming to us and he's gonna make a very bold, bold declaration. In 2013, I had the opportunity to go to Israel. I got an opportunity to stand in the tomb where they believe Jesus was laid. It was our final trip in Jerusalem, final day in Jerusalem. We spent probably 10 or 15 days over there. We toured all around. I floated in the Dead Sea. I can't float to save my life in a swimming pool. But I went to the Dead Sea and I could float. And then we got to the, the, the Garden of Gethsemane. We sat in this garden and they went over and they told us, hey, this is where Jesus was crucified. This is the place of the skull. You look in the rock and that's exactly what it looks like. They served us the elements. And then after that, they told us, now I want you to go walk into the tomb. Something I'll never forget as long as I live. As long as I live, I'll never forget that. We got in there, you could take a look at it. And of course, they truly believe that that is where Jesus was buried. And just like that Easter sunrise morning and just like in 2013, it's empty. And no other religion and no other faith system declares that, hey, the tomb is every single leader of that faith system is, is, is dead. Their tomb is not empty. Um, Joseph Smith, Gandhi, the leaders of the religious leaders of the dead, they are still dead. Jesus Christ is alive and that's what we celebrate. Here's what it says. Here's what a couple of things that maybe it'll help you as we get ready to uh, come and take some of the elements right now. Here's, here's what I want you to see. Religion says you do and you are in. Jesus says, I have done, you are invited. Religion is outward focused and Jesus is inward focused. He's coming after the sin that is inside of us. Remember what we learned last, last four weeks. We've learned that the reason sin comes out of us is not because of the sin around us, but because of the sin that's inside of us. And what Jesus is doing because he's coming to us is he's coming to deal with that because that is the main problem. That's the main problem. And so religion is outward focused and Jesus is inward focused. Religion is, religion is based off of the motivator being fear and Jesus, love is the, is the motivation for doing what he does. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Religion 
You do all these things to come to God and Jesus, behold, your king is coming. That's the major difference right there. You do all these things in order to come to God and Jesus is declaring he is living out the prophecy that was prophesied about him in Psalm 118 in Zechariah chapter nine, verse nine, that your king is coming. Jesus comes to us. We don't come to him. And this week I'm praying that you would be able to celebrate that, embrace that, not simply out of habit, ritual, or anything like that. What I'd love for you to do is take your cups. I'd love for you to take your cups. And, and I'd like for you to go ahead and, um, I'd like for you really to separate them. Uh, th- there might be a little bit of a struggle, and I want you to take your time in getting these separated, okay? We've done this a couple of times, but I do want to, you to get your cups and separate them. Okay, hope you're, are, are you there? Okay, it's a miracle. Yes, we here at the tent, we have what's called the miracle meal. And um, thank the Lord for the miracle meal during COVID season. It allows us to have this. Um, guys, again, I don't know about you, but I know what Satan wants to do to you and wants to do to me. And Satan wants to do to you is he wants to lie to us. He wants to cause us to doubt that God is good, that he's faithful, and that he will do what he said he would do. And when we take a look at the triumphal entry of Jesus, we see that Zechariah was quoted hundreds of years before Jesus came in to Jerusalem. We look at Genesis chapter 3, that we know that, that God is going to provide us a savior. And there's one that is coming that will take away the sin of the world. And there's Isaiah 53. All of these are prophecies that declare that Jesus is, is coming. And, and what, what happens is Satan, in his, in his way right now, uh, uh, is causing us to question and doubt his goodness and his faithfulness. And, and the reason that we can gather in here and we can open up the, the, the wafer and the juice and we can take these things is that we can be reminded that he will do what he said he will do and we can trust him in that regardless of search, situations, circumstances and whatever they might be. So the apostle Paul in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 basically gathers the disciples. To, he, re, he recounts how Jesus gathered the disciples together and he broke bread and he passed it out And he basically, right before he's getting ready to go to the cross, they're not really sure what's going on. They will fully understand a little bit later. Gathers them together, breaks bread, gives them the bread. And he says, this is my body, which is given to you. 
Each time you eat, you eat in remembrance of, say it with me, me. You eat in remembrance of me. Let's eat. Here's what it says. And the biggest thing is that we learned last week, of course, the last four weeks, and we've been learning this at the history of Northwest. And if you've been a Christian a long time, if you've been hearing this for a long time, sin has to be paid for. And we have a lamb that was slain without spot or blemish. We've got a problem and that is sin. And we have a savior and his name is Jesus. And what we want is we want that truth to usher you through this week and beyond, but to not allow this week to just be habit, but it to be real, for it to be meaningful, and for you to be just remembered of how you personally have been forgiven by the blood of Jesus. The Bible teaches us that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so um, Paul in 1 Corinthians, as he's leading the churches in Corinth, to remember because that church, like a lot of us, had forgotten what they were founded upon. And so Paul wrote two letters to them to remind them. And of course, we have an account of the Lord's Supper here. And he comes and he goes to, um, takes the wine that they were using. And it says in verse 25 of, of 1 Corinthians 11, in the same way, he also took the cup after supper saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink. Drink in remembrance of me. Me drink. My prayer for us this week is simply when we take a look at the triumphal entry, is I want to challenge you. As a family, read through the Passion Week all week with your family. Sit down at the dinner table and read through. Choose John's gospel, Mark's gospel, Luke or Matthew, and just trace through to get your heart ready for the week and to get your heart ready for next week as we celebrate Easter that the tomb is empty. We certainly can celebrate that right now. But when we take a look at what kind of savior do we have, we have a humble savior. We have a savior that gives us peace. But listen to this. Our savior is better than religion. It is not by rules. It's not obeying and then you're in. It's giving up, giving up to King Jesus. I had a, I had a time this week where I got a phone call from someone and I said, Matt, Will you come to the house? My husband's having surgery uh, next Tuesday and I'm not sure where he stands and he wants you to come talk to him. And so I went into his house this past um, Thursday at 10 o'clock in the morning and I begged him to give his life to Jesus. He's 91 years old. And he said, you've given me a lot to think about. Can you come back next week? And what I said to him was, 
I know you're having surgery on Tuesday and I wouldn't be anxious about Tuesday. I'd be anxious about Thursday night right now. There's no use in putting off what God has. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. I plead with him to give his life to the Lord and I'm gonna ask you to do something with me. I'm gonna ask you to plead this week for his soul. I'm gonna ask you to pray that he give his life to Jesus. I asked him, I said, I'm looking forward for my phone ringing this week and for you to say, you know what? I believe and I have repented of my sins. He said, well, when that happens, I'm gonna call you. I'm gonna ask you to pray for him that he would call and we could all celebrate together his faith in Jesus. So um, what I want us to do is I want us as a community to continue to celebrate this week, to encourage each other, to remember the goodness of God, that he is who he said he is, he, he is who he said he was, and he'll do what he said he would do. He will do that. The Bible is full of those prophecies, and we see him coming into Jerusalem because he came to us because we couldn't come to him because of that sin, and praise God that he came to us. I love you guys. Let's, um, let's stand. Band's going to lead us here in just a minute. We're going to sing some, sing one more song before David comes and closes us down. And uh, let's just let's just pray, and uh, and remember that He's good. Lord, I come to you right now, and I thank you for the gift of being able to stand up here, open up the Word, and um, and talk about you. We love you. We thank you. We praise your name. We thank you for the gift of life. We thank you for the privilege of being reminded of what you did. Lord, forgive us for the times that we forget. Thank you for the bread and the juice that are there to remind us. I pray for each person that's either listening or in person right now. And I pray, Lord, that you would just speak to our hearts. I pray that this week would be full of, of, of just overwhelming sense of your presence. I pray that if there's anybody in here that's just really wrapped up with just a situation, a circumstance, just anxious about something, I pray, God, you'd deliver them. I pray that you would give peace. I pray you calm their soul. I pray that the message of the gospel, that Jesus who came to us and for us to deliver us from our sin would bring great encouragement with all of the questions that we might be facing right now. And, and Lord, I, I, I thank you for making it very clear that you're not a way, you are the way. You, you said you were the way. And we go to the empty tomb and we can see that you not only said it, but you demonstrated it. So Lord, I pray that we would live that, believe that. And Lord, I pray for my friend that he would come to faith in you, that he would surrender his heart to you. Lord, that he would do it right now. I pray for him. I pray that you'll, 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 you'll open his eyes to, to believe in you and that God, that you will show him that you love him and that you are the savior of the world. God, I love you and I thank you for our church. I pray you'll use this song to help us um, sing to you, sing for you, sing because of you. Um, you're so good and we love you. In Jesus name, amen.